We're going to make some sense of all of these different things along the way this morning. But as I kick off, I just want to draw your attention to three things. Firstly, up here, we have a connection with East Timor. At Christmas time, we raised $50,000 to build a school in Likasar. If you want to be part of going over and opening that, you can later in the year. But we have a connection with local church over there. Archie is the minister there. They have a youth hostel for young boys that come down from the countryside in order to kind of just hang out in Dili. And they're opening one for girls. And there's 12 girls that they sort of want to open it up to. Anyone who's coming down from the rural to give them a place to stay. This is the actual hostel that they've, they've um, rented for right now. But they are looking for six double bunk beds. They're $150 each, two Two beds per bunk, some mattresses to go, and if you would like to actually be involved in actually providing um, some bedding, some sleeping arrangements for girls in the next, come, come, I guess they'll, they'll last a number of years, would you catch up with us during this week? I'd love to have you being part of actually contributing to the life of the community over there all the way in Dili. Second thing I want to say is, did anyone do some of this this week from last week? Yeah? Anyone still wearing their black wristband? Yeah, one, one, two. We've got some wristbands up here. Someone came up last week and they took two wristbands, yeah? So you get two arms, two wristbands. If you missed out on one, you might be able to get one a little bit later on. I actually had a few guys say to me that they would like this T-shirt, yeah? They'd like to wear it around home a little bit, you know? In fact, the great thing about this T-shirt is that you keep on wearing it and you don't have to wash it. I reckon it's about the fourth time I've worn it so far. And it is really good. The last thing I want to say, wasn't it good to hear about Bella? Yeah, I mean, that's just a wonderful thing, isn't it, to connect in with the life of the community as well. She is learning who is on the inside and who's on the outside of the circle. And not to actually um, put anyone outside the circle, but if you want to use the family room next door this morning, you can. And if you need to turn the volume up over there, go ahead and do it now. Who is on the inside and who is on the outside of your circle? We all have a criteria, don't we? In fact, some of you came here this morning and you might have thought you were on the inside of the circle with the purple people you came with, but by the time you got here, you found yourself to be on the outside of the circle. Isn't that right? Some of you need to do some making up along the way, yeah? So just so you know that I am going to be including everyone in my circle of trust this morning, I brought my own boundary marker here. What I'd like you to do, start with you, Haley. I'd like you to just keep on unraveling it right around the whole room, not crisscrossing along the way, but just on the margins, which means if you are near a door, you're going to have to, if anyone wants to get outside the circle, you have to make sure they don't trip over along the way. Just a physical boundary marker along the way. Who's on the inside of your circle and who's on the outside? Because where we define who's on the inside or who's on the outside says a lot about who we are. A number of years ago, I was living over in Portland, Oregon. And along the way over there, I went out for a run one day and it poured down with rain. Like so thick was the rain that I actually had to stop. and ended up standing under a tree on the footpath. And as I was standing under the tree on the footpath with the rain coming down, just waiting for the clouds to clear, I heard someone behind me say, hey, do you want to come in? And I looked around, and I was out the front of someone's house, and there was this older lady, and she was just kind of standing on her front porch, and she was just inviting me in. So I thought, it's pouring rain out here, it's a bit cold, someone's been generous, why not? And so I walked into the house. Well, for the next three hours, we talked about pretty much everything. The rain had stopped well and truly by the time I left. 
I got home and Bron's like, where, where have you been? I said, you wouldn't believe it. I've just been chatting with this random stranger who invited me into her home in between the rain, in between the breaks. And that's what I've been doing for the last three hours. Wow. The power of belonging is so great in our lives that it's the kind of thing that can lift us and make us feel like a million dollars or it's the thing that can make us feel like we're despairing and that we can never quite make it in. Do you know what I mean? Who's on the inside and who's on the outside and how you define the criteria can be the difference between making someone's life positive or making it a real negative experience. If you don't believe me, Remember the time in which the PE teacher said to you, okay, everyone line up because we're going to pick teams. Does everyone remember this? And the phys ed teacher gives all authority in heaven on earth to two people to choose the teams. And they determine who's in and who's out. Do you remember that experience? It's a powerfully shaping one. And yet what we discover about human beings is that we actually like to be on the inside or at least being given the opportunity to be on the inside as well. You see, that was that picture by Ben Stiller. We can define the criteria in a number of different ways. Who has children? Who doesn't? Who is single? Who is double? Who is family? But then there's other criteria that we can use. Who are the educated ones? Who's wearing the right designer clothing? Who's got the right language? Who looks the pretty ones? Who are the ones who are the strongest and fastest sporty ones? Who are the ones that wear lycra? And who are the ones who don't? There's all different kinds of ways that we could define the criteria on who's in and who's out. But I tell you this, the desire to belong, it seems to be a desire in every human heart. To belong is simply the desire of every human heart. I don't think it's by chance it's that way. I don't think it's some molecular deviation, some mutation in our wiring I think it actually says something about who we are and who God is, that God is a relational being and that he's made us to relate to one another and therefore he's implanted within us, not the mechanisms just to survive, but if you like to thrive, to belong is the desire of every human heart. I was speaking with someone this week and they said to me, you know what, I've opened myself up to another person. I have spent the last year trying to make connections and there seems to be this like invisible wall between the two of us. I've made myself accessible, I've spent time together, and it's just as though I am on the outside, and I don't know what to do. Can you relate to that? I was listening at a men's shed uh, a number of months ago, a a magistrate from Dandenong, and he said these quite insightful words. He said, I am yet to sentence an offender who's involved in a sporting club. Wow. Wow. Even he as a magistrate could see and understand something about the powerful dynamics of belonging and being connected. It's a place where you can form identity. It's a place where you can shape your understanding of self and worth and value and give you purpose. It seems to me that human beings are wired to belong. Speaking with someone um, uh, this week who said, in my workspace, we've discovered the power of relationship. I love this about businesses. Do you know businesses can actually spend hundreds of millions of dollars doing surveys and they come up with something that's, that's quite sort of simply profound that you and I could have guessed it in, in like a 10 seconds. He said this, he said, actually what we've discovered in our research or getting the research is that if in your workspace you make three significant relational connections, 
that the chances of retaining you in that business place increases. <laughs> it's rocket science, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. The HR department and what they do is just incredible, isn't it? That if you have three significant relationships in your workplace, it actually increases the retention rate of you in a business. You see, what I find is that if human beings are designed and wired to belong, then the question we need to be asking ourselves is who is on the inside of my sphere, who's on the outside of my sphere, and how do I allow other people to belong? That's why I've called this series Centripetal. Have you ever been in one of these before? We've protected the identity of the three people on this device, and so we have blocked their faces out. However, has anyone ever been in one of these devices and experienced the thing called the whip? Has anyone? The whip. See, the way in which the whip works is that the, the boat that's actually pulling this accelerates at amazing speeds. And then when you're up at almost uh, the speed of, of light, um, which is a little bit fast, uh, they actually turn the mechanism of the boat and actually, actually turn it so that the inertia pushes the people on this device out really wide. And as it's getting flung out, the idea of the people in the boat is to actually... Uh, cause you to be flung off into the outer stratosphere of space. And, and this is what happens. In, in fact, I think the three people here at some stage were all uh, significantly blown off into the water. But you see, there's this idea, if you like, that the forces that push you out are called the centrifugal forces, a bit of physics. But the force that actually holds you in, that's connected to the boat, to the rope, to you holding on, is called a centripetal force. It's the force that holds you in it's the force that actually draws you and binds you together. You see, what I want to ask you this morning is what do you circle around in your life and who are the people that you have said, you know what, when this force is pulling me in, I've defined the boundary markers about who's in and who's out and how it actually operates. Where you define your lines, where you draw the boundary markers will play a significant part in either you welcoming other people into your life or you excluding them outside your own. Has anyone experienced the whip before? Oh, come on, has anyone? It's exhilarating, but it's dangerous at the same time. Over this next month, I want to shift our thinking, shift our behavior, and hopefully shape our maturity when it comes to understanding these two forces. I want to shock you for a moment because Jesus defined the two most significant centripetal forces in his world in a radically different way. And that's what I'd like for you to consider over the coming weeks. If you want to follow with us in Mark chapter 3. Jesus said these words. The first significant force, if you like, in a Jewish person's life when it came to understanding who was on the inside and who was on the outside had to do with blood. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Now let's just pause there for a moment. Uh, if your mother or your brother or your sisters came asking after you and you were in a social setting, what would be the normative thing for you to do in this place? Well, the normative thing, if your bloodlines were strong and that force was good in your life, would be to pause and put down what you're doing and go and actually attend to them. Isn't that right? So... This is not what happens with Jesus. In fact, he does something radically different. In fact, let's just pause here for a moment because the bloodline thing is actually really significant. 
Bloodlines define all of our lives in different ways. I discovered this when I first wanted to date my wife, who came from a family of three sisters altogether, one mother, four women. And I come from a family of all boys, but of my mother. And I remember going in one particular night, and they were arguing. The conversation was going this way. Have you ever experienced this in families? The conversation can be going this way. And they were at each other about clothing. And I thought, I know what to do here. I'm a very pragmatic, practical guy. And so I actually stood in and said, well, I think you could fix it if you did this. Well, do you know what happened? Instantaneously? All of them turned like this. (laughs) Have you ever had that happen before to you? Like someone can be about their family talking and like they're talking about their family like, oh, this negative thing, that negative thing, no, 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 no. And then you come in from the outside and you go, I agree with that, yeah? And then what happens? Everyone turns on you. You can't say that about our family because blood is thicker. It happens all the time. And that's exactly what Jesus was expected to do. Bloodlines were going to define who is on the inside and the outside. And he says this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. He said, anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Shocking. In one foul swoop, Jesus redefines who's at the center. He defines it around him and he smashes bloodlines. He said, the most defining thing in your life, if you want to follow me, is not based upon bloodlines, but if you like, faith lines with me. Now, I expect after this, Jesus might have actually hopped up having made his point and gone outside and actually spoken to his parents, but it actually goes a bit deeper. Listen to this. It's even more shocking. Jesus said these words, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. There are some people who would say of Jesus that if you actually give your life to following him, you will lose your life. Jesus begs to differ. He says, no, you will discover your life. If you like, Jesus redefines the center of who's in and who's out, and it's no longer on bloodlines. The first defining thing in any Jewish family, bloodlines. The second would have been this, lines of privilege and birth. Who's in according to who's been born into the right family and who has the right privileges. Jesus had just said to a person who was actually a rich man, you can come and follow me, give up everything you have and you'll discover life. The rich man walks off. Peter actually then speaks up and says these words, we've given up everything to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus replied and said this, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news of who I am will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and property along with persecution and in the world to come that person will have eternal life. The second thing that was defining in a Jewish person's life about where you draw who's in and out was bloodlines but also lines of birthright. If you had have said to a Jewish person, what makes you in with God? They would have said, well, I can trace my lineage back to Abraham. 
And then there was Moses, who God gave the Ten Commandments to. And now we're obeying those commands, and so we are on the inside because it's our birthright of privilege. And Jesus smashes the door wide open, and he says, I'll tell you this, if you want to come to know God, it's no longer on the basis of if you are in the right family or if you have the right privileged position. I want to tell you this, if you want to actually come and follow me, you'll discover that there is a whole new family that I am redefining around me. The reason he could say to Peter, houses, mothers, brothers, or sisters, it's because Jesus believes that when you come to discover who he is and welcome him into your life, that he invites you and dares you to believe that everyone is a potential brother and sister and mother and father. See, this is a powerful thing. Many years ago... We were traveling halfway around Australia and we decided to take a troopie that someone had given us into Palm Valley all the way into central Australia. On the way in there, we were navigating a sand trap. I'd never driven a troopie before, big beast of a thing. And on the way in there, I was told, make sure you just keep on going through the sand, make sure you just keep on going through the sand if, if there's a sand trap. What did I do? I got halfway through and I stopped. So what was the next thing I did being in a tribute for the first time? I decided to re- reverse the car. And as I did, it dug me down deeper and deeper and deeper. Until in the middle of nowhere, my family and I were trapped in this one troopie without anyone that we could even tell. After about 10 minutes, around the corner came a gentleman in a Nissan patrol. He got out, and some of you would know the story. He looked at me and he laughed with the biggest belly laugh you could ever imagine. He said, this is great, mate. I tell you what, I will pull you out on one condition that I can take a photograph of my Nissan Patrol pulling out your Toyota Troopy. This is going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to post it on my son's website. He's going to love this. This is awesome. He put his chain around the diff or wherever you put it. He got me to do some stuff. Have I done the wrong thing? Where do I put it, Tim? Somewhere on the car. You mock me. You are out of my circle right now. Where is that boundary marker? Out, out. There you go. You are out of my circle. All right. Circle of trust. And he pulled it out. And as he pulled the car out, we got to talking and we discovered, hey, we kind of both know Jesus, which opens up a whole new ball game. Because as soon as I discovered that, it's not as though he, he... It's not as though I needed to know a whole bunch about him, but there was this connection that was like, wait a second... Jesus redefines who's on the inside and outside. Every human being is a potential brother or sister. But when you come to know him, he dares you to define yourself in those terms. And so we ended up stopping and praying for him. His wife said, actually, these are bad times for him. The doctor has said to him, you've probably got a few months left with your cancer. So we paused out in that outback place. Never had him met before, but it was like there was an extended family moment. that We got to pray and connect with him. Might never see him again until there's a new heavens and a new earth. But Jesus dares people to believe that you can have family not defined just around bloodlines or privilege. But upon a new definition about a new family 
that God wants to create. See, as God looks down on this world and sees all of the tragedy, he believes the two things that we need more than anything else is a transformed heart, sin broken, open new life, grace and love extended beyond. He says, once you come to know Jesus and he pours that love and that life into you, he actually flings the door open and he actually begins to define and invite you to define your world in radically different terms. One of the writers in the Bible, he says this, but anyone who did accept Jesus, he gave the right to become God's children. Yes, to anyone who believed in his name, to all who received him, he gives the right to become a child of God. You see, the thing I love about this so much is that if you haven't been born into a family of privilege, you haven't been born into the right bloodlines, that Jesus doesn't care about those things at all. In fact, he radically redefines them and says, anyone who just wants to place their simple trust in me, I tell you this, you are welcome. You don't have to have the greatest education. You don't have to say the right words. You don't have to wear the brand name things. You don't have to be the prettiest or the fastest. I tell you this, no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done or has been done to you, you are welcome into my eternal family. And the only thing that's going to prevent you from being in that place, the only thing, if you like, that's the boundary marker is simple trust and faith in me. So last week I was talking about our life buckets. So I decided to bring another bucket. I want to ask you this morning, How do you define who's on the inside or the outside? What are the forces that you actually define it around? Is it just the people who look like you? Is it just the people who are part of your blood family? Because you see, God wants to transform this world. And the way he does it is by inviting anyone, no matter who they are, to actually Believe and know and discover more about his son so that the way in which this world might be reshaped for good is that he says, you are all welcome. There is no one who is unwelcome. And if you like, the force that will actually change and transform this world for good will be the force that doesn't release this bucket and let it go flying to the wall, but around my son, Jesus, who lived and died for you. The problem is, all too often... We form little cliques, don't we? See, God is opposed to cliques. The problem with cliques is that you say to other people, you're not welcome. You don't belong. How do you define who's on the inside or the outside? Maybe you're at school and there's other kids there that you go, you know what, if I can get in with them, and then you get in with them and they go, actually, let's tighten it up and make it even more difficult for others to get in. Or maybe you're in a workspace and you go, you know what, I've defined who's on the inside here. But you're limiting your own boundaries and you're limiting the potential that you could have by allowing other people into your life. And Jesus says, what I want you to do is break down prejudice in your own life. I want you to trust in me and my my father will pour his love into your life. And if you like, it'll extend your boundaries. You see, in the outer eastern suburbs... We love defining who's on the inside and the outside by blood. Jesus smashes that. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, 
Troy told me to abandon my family. Dan and Alana, I'm not talking about that. When Jesus was crucified, the very last thing he did before he died, he looked at John, one of his disciples, and he said, John, look to his mother Mary, look your mother. Mother, look your son. Jesus was completely into being responsible for your family, but he also understood that if you want to change and transform this world, you want to partner with him, then I want you to change the force that guides you. And if you put Jesus in the middle, he wants you to find it around faith lines, not bloodlines or birthright. That, my friends, is good news. You're going to hear a song in a moment. And that song, come on up. It's going to give you some time to reflect. On your chairs right now, a set of notes and a survey. I wonder if you hear this song, some of the things that you might do would be to actually go ahead and fill out that survey and leave it for us because over the next two weeks, I want to unpack this idea a bit further. In fact, over the next two weeks, I'm going to ask you to do something that we have never done here before in 13 years at NCR. I'm going to ask you not to invite anyone, but I'm going to ask you to invite yourself. Because I want to dig into this idea of who's in and who's out and how we're going to operate this year. And I'm going to change it up a little bit. So just so you know, next week it's going to be a little different, but it will be safe. But as you think about this, there's four things I also want you to consider. First thing I want to do in shifting your thinking is to ask you this. Who is my mother, my brother, and my sister? I've been practicing this over the last year. I've decided that anyone in the world is my potential mother, brother, or sister. So in the course of my conversations with people, I'm in the habit now of calling people, even random strangers, brother. Or someone else, sister. Try it. At first point, they kind of, but it shifts your thinking and it causes you to ask who is allowed in and who is allowed out. Imagine the power you have to consider that every single person in this world could be your mother, your brother, your sister. How does that shape your own prejudice and who's on the inside and who's on the outside? I want you to ask this question this week. Who is my mother and my brother and my sister? And then if you define it around Jesus, you need to ask it at an even a deeper level. The second is hurt. You see, whenever you talk about families, there's always hurt. And when you talk about church families, there's even deeper hurt. Because when you've been let down, it just seems as though the expectation being higher can be more profoundly painful when it fails to meet your expectations. I wonder if you're here this morning and the reason why your circle of trust is drawn so close is because you've been hurt. And for you, the greatest thing would be to come and, like that little child this morning, ask God again to come and to heal and to speak into your life. We're going to have opportunity afterwards for that if you'd like to. 
Maybe you want to discover, I want to know who this Jesus person is, and I don't even know what these black wristbands are about, but you could get up out of your chair or afterwards come and take one of these and put it around your wrist and you can look at the words and it says simplify your life around him. Or the very last thing, because we want to wave the belonging wand around here in February, we're going to have a mystery dinner on the 27th of February. And we need about 16 people to help host at this stage. If you could host, and if in so doing, increase the sphere of your influence, then would you come and place your name down here today and we can get that organized and more details coming. So as these guys sing, why don't you take some time to think, to reflect, to pray, to ask yourself, who is my mother and my brother?